The nail in the coffin! All right, welcome to The Nail in the Coffin, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's Sunday night. The Brown season's over. Trev, you uh, you reached out to me and asked if we wanted to do this. So uh, the floor is yours. I'm going to let you start. Oh, Jesus. That's, <laughs> well, you were just serving me up. That's right. Um, <laughs> shit, man, I tell you what. It's it's one of these games that I feel like was obviously an emotional roller coaster. And coming into the game, it was – I don't know if you felt this way, but all week, I felt like as the week went on, I felt like I got more and more confident that the Browns could pull it off. Um, and it's such a, it's a, it, it's a weird game because I feel like we've been talking about how it was likely to be sort of an offensive shootout and, you know, the Browns could, you know, match blow for blow and all these different things that could happen. And it kind of, it, it, it kind of feels like it was the exact opposite of, of the type of game we expected to see. And it, it's, it was a really frustrating loss as we were living through it. It was, there was just little things happening here and there. It's, they sort of all piled up and um, ended up biting them in the ass and they weren't able to get the job done today, but all things considered, I feel like they were pretty damn competitive, but a decent, decent enough product out on the field and there's a few plays we can point back to and say, you know, if they did this right or this right, um, who knows, maybe it's different, but for a team that, you know, for the last several years has been an absolute dumpster fire. Um, I'm not going to get too down about it. It's, it's upsetting. And I'm, I'm, I mean, mostly I feel like I'm most bummed that, you know, the football season's over and there's nothing for me to do next Sunday um, between Ohio state and, and the Browns. It's, it's, you know, it's sort of an abrupt ending to things that I had been sort of hyping myself up might last a little longer, but um, all things considered today was um, today was fun. It was good to have a really meaningful game to be invested in today. Um, it was a strange game. I, I think. I agree. Yeah. Very it, weird. It, you know, I coming into this, I mean, we talked a little bit the other night about there was a path to victory here. And I think we both had an idea and we were of a pretty similar mindset about if the Browns are going to win this game, it was going to have to look like X, Y, and Z. And it really wasn't any of that. And I'll say one of the things that we sort of mentioned was limiting the number of possessions. And that I think did kind of come to fruition. I don't know how, what what the total ended up being, but a lot of long drives in that game. Yeah. Yeah. There was no, there weren't any, like there was a couple like 20, 25 yard plays, but there were no just, bomb like five yard touchdown drives or five play touchdown drives that right. you might have been like, you know, those that's what'll kill you. So they did a good job avoiding that. Yeah, it was it was one of those games though where it felt like coming in, it's like, okay, the Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champs. They've got Pat Mahomes, the best player in the league. And you're gonna probably have to play a perfect game to beat them. The Browns did not play a perfect game. And uh-huh. yet Five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, they had the ball. With a chance to take the lead. With a chance to take the lead. And momentum on their side. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned there there were a few plays 
<laughs> you want to get it out of the way now? I, I promised you uh, three minutes to talk about the uh, the hit at the uh, end of the first half. I'm when, fucking uh, bitter. I'm really <laughs> fucking bitter, and it's going to sting for a long fucking time. There's zero excuse in 2020, well, 2021 now, with all the angles we have and all the fucking referees we have on the field and how fucking often they talk about player safety being paramount that no one sees that guy get fucking drilled in the side of the head, fumble the ball at the one. I'm going to ignore the worst rule in football. We've we're in agreement that oh this yeah, random thing that if you fumble it in this little part of the field, it's treated completely different from anywhere else on the field. Oh yeah. That's the thing. Ridiculous. Like you, you fumble that football, ball anywhere else on the field and it goes out of bounds. It just goes back it to the point of the, goes fumble. to the point, the point of the field where the ball was fumbled, but exactly. somehow you fumble into the end zone and it goes out of bounds the other team doesn't recover the ball, but yeah, yeah. they they get the ball with a 20-yard improvement in field position. Yeah, yeah nothing about that makes sense, but that is what it is. That's a rule that they applied correctly. And that rule is never going to change because every single time that uh, that play happens, People go every, crazy about it, and then everybody has the exact same reaction. Exactly. the The phrase "worst uh, worst rule in all of sports" starts trending sports on trend. Twitter. Yeah, and so like it's happened over and over and over again, and it's never changed. So that's not going to change. I will say though, I would not at all be shocked if there is some sort of a rule adjustment, um, with regards to making the the targeting or helmet to helmet contact or yeah, it's you know, not technically, it, it's not technically called targeting. I don't think in the NFL, but it's, it's the same not thing. The same right. Thing. If the NFL college has the targeting rule and, and you know, that would be a type of play that would, you know, if it was flagged on the field or if, you know, it could go up for a review in college, and, no matter what they call on the field, the way that that play unfolded is it's getting corrected. I would not college. be shocked if, if some version of that, gets instituted for by the NFL for next year. Yeah, I mean, we saw it happen with the um, – and I said this to you while we were texting during the game. I've never seen more unanimous agreement across the board on a missed foul or a missed penalty than I did since the Saints game a few years ago, that pass interference that everyone knew in real time was blatant, obvious pass interference. Today's call was just as blatant and – um. Obviously, it was earlier in the game, but in terms of overall impact, every bit is significant. Yeah, it was crushing because, you know, the other thing I thought was super interesting about that sequence was one of the first questions that Kevin Stefanski got in his postgame press conference. He talked about how the Browns receivers are coached specifically to not reach the ball out in those situations for that exact reason. And he, you know, he backpedaled off a little bit saying, you know, he, he's playing hard or whatever and not going to get upset with it. But like they specifically coached their, their skill position guys to not do that. And um, I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that was something that was a point of emphasis for I think most. I think most coaches do. I think because the risk reward isn't really there. Sure. Um, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. sense. Sure. It makes, it makes perfect sense because the well, rule is what it is. What makes um, it extra sad is, you know, not only do you, you know, fumble the ball away there, but like had, had Higgins 
tucked it away and not tried to reach they got and not fumble and they're probably able to run another 40 seconds off and yeah that's the thing like he's reaching to try to get in there there was still a minute and a half to go Kansas City might call timeouts there they're pretty aggressive on offense maybe they might stop it and get the ball but back. then they're 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 down still, a timeout it still or takes two. seven points off the board it might it, take 10 points off the board it's a seven to ten point swing likely yeah it's just, obviously it, you know you don't have the points so you don't it's not a gimme but you got the ball at the one you're moving the ball relatively at will um it stands yeah, the, for reason that they're going to get a touch on there right so it's a seven yeah you're getting point seven points and and you're giving kansas city less time because like if he reaches across and scores there obviously it's better than fumbling but you know kansas city was still getting the ball back with a minute and a half to go so for a lot yeah. of reasons that that whole sequence but I, i'll tell you what the second half i mean even before i don't even know which way i want to go with this right now but uh, it's hard. I don't know about it. It's hard to, it's hard to really determine how, like, obviously the second half performance, you know, a lot of guts and they executed pretty well and they got scraped, scraped and clawed their way back into the game. It's hard to really know how much you can take from it because Mahomes was out. But, uh, um, well, that was the thing though. Like, so there was that interception that Baker threw and you're like, okay, the wheels are officially coming off now. This, this is on the verge of getting real ugly. And that, possession there was where Butker missed the field goal right yeah it was essentially it was essentially like uh the half just started with a minute off the clock right it was like 1407 had been gone and the Browns just had the ball back to the 20 again well the thing that frustrated me was like coming out of the the locker room for halftime you're listening to the sideline reporter saying yeah I talked to coach Stefanski at halftime and he said he wants to run the ball more and they immediately come out and like throw three passes. Now they had to throw Let's on third down. If, it was, it was if third the, and long. If the sideline but... reporter though comes out and says, yeah, the coach told me this, you can kind of throw that out. Cause let's be honest. He's probably not sharing much of his game plan with the sideline reporter at halftime. But that's the thing though. Like there have been games in the past this year where we talked about it, where it was like, you know, the Browns ended up winning a game when they otherwise might not have in the past because they didn't abandon their running game. And sure enough, like after that missed field goal, they get the ball back. It's like, okay, you just got to stay of execution here. And that was when they started running the ball more. And I think Nick Chubb ended up having like 50 yards in the third quarter. And yeah, they get Kareem Hunt involved. A couple bit. Yeah. They had a few really nice, like, and that was like that was where the game turned. Plays, but you know, 15, 20 yard runs here that are just huge. You know, moving the ball down the field. Yeah. So like getting the running game going again. Um, yeah, it was like all right. Now now we're back into this. Um, the, the defense. I mean, I guess it's you know, I don't. I, they gave up 22 points. <laughs> I agree. I agree completely. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's like, okay. They gave up 22 points, but at the same time. They didn't get a single stop when they never like, forced a really punt the entire game. They, they forced really... one turnover in, in their own end zone, um, which on that, that Chad Henney ball that just seemed to, I mean, Carl Joseph was basically like camped out there having a hot dog waiting for that ball to land in his arms. Yeah, it only, t- it only took him 15 years for Chad Henning to win a meaningful game against a team from Ohio. <laughs> Good job, Chad. It's fucking unbelievable. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you what, I don't know that I've ever smiled happier than when I saw Chad Henney trot on a fucking field. Um, anyway. The Mahomes injury was weird. 
it's like, weird. why it look- in God's name were they running him on an option play when his foot was already messed up? Yeah. And it wasn't like his foot wasn't what knocked him out of the game either. Um, no, when when he was down at first, I thought, oh, okay, that foot. I assumed, yeah, I assumed just reaggravated it or made it worse. Um, and then you see that close up of him trying getting pulled up, able to and stand up, yeah, looks like he's like staring off into next Tuesday or something. It's oh, he's messed up. What, what did he get hit in the head? Was there a helmet to helmet? No. Uh, did his helmet bounce off the ground? Don't think so. I, I it guess looked like his head hit the ground pretty hard, but you didn't have that like normal bounce that you see sometimes. Right. Um, yeah, it didn't seem in in real in real time. It didn't seem that egregious. Like it didn't seem like anything to be worried about. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, all things considered, I don't know. It's it was deflating. It was a rough way to lose a game. But um, I guess I'm trying to be optimistic and say it's it's great to be in that type of game for once. Yeah. We'll get to the big picture stuff in a minute here. A couple more uh, decisions and, and key moments of that game that I want to bring up. I thought you made a great point on our text thread during the game when we challenged that, uh, that completed pass. I think it was in the fourth quarter. And as soon as you saw the first replay, it's like, well, that's obviously going to stand up. I'll never yeah, get the Yeah, the Tyreek one, yeah. Right. And why did you say that Stefanski threw the challenge? Yeah, play it was obvious because we saw the replay that they – it was Robinson. I don't remember. It was a little earlier in the game. I think it was still the second half. But he had that big catch, and they replayed it. And immediately on the replay, we saw he didn't catch the ball. It, was, it should have been incomplete. And they rushed up to the line, got the snap off, and I feel like that was that wasn't Stefanski's head. I feel like at that point it was um, on the sideline. The ball was kind of you know it just looked like a goofy kind of catch, and I think that was in his head. And so he rushed to challenge it before you know he had any sort of decent look at it, and turned out to be you know a bad challenge. I'm not going to kill him too much for that. It, it came back to bite him obviously because it cost him a timeout. But um, it was it was one of those things where. You know, I think he was still thinking about that one from prior that he didn't really have much time to yeah. to, to discuss and get not, not going to get burned on. twice. Yeah, and so he said, "You know what? I gotta I gotta do it here. I gotta see it." So I'm not going to kill him too much for that. In um, his defense, also the first time I watched that, I thought there was no way that ball yeah, didn't hit the yeah. ground. I think most people did, and I think the way that like <laughs> you saw him pin it against his leg, and you know, he was two inches away from hitting the ground. Um, it's not a terrible challenge considering, you know, the circumstances, um, it's, it obviously didn't go their way. And, and had he been given, you know, 10 seconds, 10, 15 seconds more, he probably doesn't challenge it and it's fine. But, um, that was sort of a, a, a weird play. Also, I see a lot of disagreement, I think on the punt, um, the punt in the fourth quarter there that in real time, I thought it was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. But the more I think about it, I think you sort of summed it up the best was um, if you hold them and get them to hold them to a field goal, you're still just in a one possession game at that point, Um, which I guess I also see the validity in. But I I don't know. What was it? Fourth and nine, I think it was still fourth and pretty long. So it was still a bit of a long shot. Um, I don't know. That one isn't as I'm not as I don't know, annoyed or or I don't disagree as strongly with that call as as a lot of people I've seen talking about it, but um, I think you can probably look at it both ways. What I'll ask you, because you, I think we're in favor of going for it. What, um, what's, 
what's sort of the the odds or the the analytics side of it? What's the analytical argument about going for it? Um, I mean, I don't have the chart <laughs> that all these guys are working off of. Um, but I don't need the exact numbers, but I mean, what's the general like logic behind? I mean, my, my thought process there is knowing Kansas city's offense, even with Chad Henney and the fact that the Browns haven't forced a single punt all day. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to put myself in and, and also only having one timeout left. That second timeout was a killer. Yeah. And that was something I was kind of surprised by. There yeah. were, it felt like there were a few times today where the Browns were not quite not entirely really on the they same page. They were a little page. out of sorts at the line. A little bit. And yep. and having to waste that timeout because the play clock was running down, that that was costly. Um, but, you know, when you're in a situation there, and, and obviously, I mean, you're deep enough in your own territory where – you know, having to go for it on fourth and nine is, you know, not a great position to be in, but I I can't put myself into a position where I have to have my defense do something. It hasn't done a single time all day. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I just, I almost wonder if like Kansas city, you know, you go for it there, you end up short. Kansas city gets the ball, you know, you can at that point, maybe hold them to a field goal. Maybe, maybe their play calling changes a little bit. You know, I, I, I was not surprised that they were as aggressive as they were on their third and fourth down calls. I, I'd be curious to know what the third down play was actually supposed to be. Cause it looked like Henny scrambled pretty quick. Cause the, the yeah. rush got to him, but at the same time, it did not look like that was a design draw play. Um, I doubt Chad Henney draw was a design play on third and 13. Right. So, I mean, let's get that out of there right now. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking that entire time though. And I, I told you guys coming out of the there, you know, when they were going to commercial, I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they throw the ball here. Cause I mean, that's what they do. That's, that's that team for better or worse, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Chad Henney or, you know, whoever. I think it, I think it could have been one of those calls where it's, you know, it's a, it's a Chad Henney option where, you know, get it. If one of two or three things happen, you'll have a wide open guy and you can hit him with it. If not scramble and, you know, we'll run right. some clock and live to see another day. And that was the killer there was giving up yeah. 13 yards. Brutal. And I actually, Brutal. I thought he had the he first close. down. He was really but, close. I thought once they showed the replay, you could see his from the his far sideline where you saw it. half a yeah. yard short, but it was pretty damn close. Yeah, it was way too close for comfort. Right, that was um, the thing. It had you know he scrambled there and gotten five yards, and it's fourth and they're nine. Probably they're probably running. They're punting. They're probably yeah. Oh yeah. They're, yeah, they're punting from there. Um, and they're they're you know we're getting the ball with a minute ten left, and that's what everyone was kind of expecting at that point. You're yeah. not expecting Chad Henney to run for twelve yards. Um, yeah, it's brutal. It's just a uh, a tough way to, to go down there's there's i'll say the one thing that we discussed last week that they struggled with was we said and it turned out not to be as big because of sort of the the pace of the game but we said you know they need to come out and execute really well right out of the gate and they can't afford to like get behind um there's a couple big plays no the, the two that sort of stick out of my head are the two drops from um nick chubb the one on back to back the second one yeah early in the game that that screenplay that I don't know what the, the ultimate result was, but he had a lot of room to run, and it was going to work out pretty damn well if he catches that ball with, like, three blockers in front of him 
and it just hits them right off the hands and you're like, ah, shit. Like, well, you can't, you can't leave those opportunities out there. Um, right. And so they didn't. Kansas City got a huge break with him dropping, especially the second one. Mm, but second I will tell you, I'll tell you what though, like other than that, I thought the chiefs did a great job of covering the Browns running backs coming out of the backfield and, yeah. Yeah, they and did. trying because there were a few other times where it looked like the Browns were trying to set up screens, and the Chiefs sent a defender out to to go pick that up very well and kind of blow that play up before it even got a chance. Um, you know, <laughs> Chiefs know where, where the Browns make their money, and I thought they did a very good job of of taking that away today. Yeah, I thought there were a couple plays that um, that they got a little more creative. There was that one screen to Njoku that I thought was just a brilliant play call. Um, mm-hmm where they were doing things similar, but not using the running backs as much because there was a lot of attention paid to them. Um, so I thought they did a pretty, generally I thought the game, the game plan on offense was pretty damn good. Um, execution just wasn't there the whole game. Um, defensively, it's hard to really complain too much if you only give them 22 points to the chiefs, but it, 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 it sort of felt a little reminiscent to that Raiders game earlier in the season where it's just like, you just can't get off the fucking field. Like you're getting mm-hmm. dink and dunk like here and there, and you're just not making a stop on third down. You're not doing any of these little things that you need to do to get off the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, frustrating I- way to end the season, but, um, but what are you going to do? You know, this is Alex hasty, the host of Ohio versus the world, an American history podcast. On Ohio vs. the World, we'll travel back in time with the authors, historians, and even witnesses to visit the most exciting, consequential, and too often overlooked topics that have shaped America's history. There seems to be an Ohio connection to so many important moments. When you said uh, Ohio versus the World, we did some damage. So join us and we'll take a deep dive to enlighten, educate, and entertain you as Ohio vs. the World makes history fun again. Yeah, I uh, boy, I tell you what, that game ended. I was watching by myself. I was down in the basement, <laughs> and I got I got a t- couple of texts from the wife during the game. Like, are you okay? Like, what the hell's going on down there? But um, when that game ended, I was I was dead silent, and I don't think I said a word or responded to a text or anything else for probably a solid thirty forty five minutes. And I was kind of sitting there dumbfounded. I'm scrolling through Twitter. And it was, seeing... it was just deflating, man. Cause I was, I, I think everyone, and I think probably most people, most chiefs fans and most neutral fans and Browns fans, everyone was thinking, okay, the Browns are going to get the ball back with a little over a minute. Let's see what happens there. And I think we were yeah. all you know, looking forward to that. I don't know what happens. You know, maybe they don't just... get it. Maybe nothing happens and they still end up losing the game, but it's, it felt like it felt like that last opportunity was there for us. And we just got deprived of it, and it was just a brutal way to go. Yeah, that's that's rough. And I just I started seeing right away all the yeah, great season, and now oh, we're totally gonna be back next year. And it's I don't like, know how people fucking flip that switch so quick. I'm, I was not ready. I, I'm I'm still not ready. You know, and I'll be honest. Like, look, the Browns if they do absolutely nothing with their offense between now and yeah, week one, I'm okay with it. They they will still have a top five offense in the yeah. league. They've I'm got 100 content if they roll that same exact same offense out there. And they've got draft picks. They've got cap space. They've got resources, and they've got a couple of pretty good 
you know, defensive backs who are going to be coming back off of injury. Um, they got a lot of ways to fill, you know, the, uh, the needs that, you know, address the needs that they have on their defense. Cause that's really what I think you're going to have to, you know, devote the, the majority of your resources to this off season. Yeah. Having I mean, they're going to get, th- get guys back too. Like they drafted, um, Delpit and Green Williams year, and, and Green Williams was out yeah. all year. So they've been missing a couple key guys there too. So there's, um, that's nice, right? They're not completely stocking. They're getting some guys back that they expect to contribute next year. I don't know wh- how long we can continue to expect Grady Williams to play, but considering he, every time we think he's going to be ready to go, he disappears for another season. But um, I mean, yeah, yeah they, they thought Delpit was going to be their starting t- uh, safety this year. So they can still count on that. Hopefully, you know, they'll still game plan for that and they can fill in um, need some linebacker help, need some, uh, defensive line depth, things like that are fine, but yeah, they're, in, I mean, they're in a Here's damn the good spot. The, the point I was going to make is like, you know, everyone's, Oh yeah, we're, we're going to be right back next year. All signs point to that being the case, but like, you never know. I mean, nothing's it was, guaranteed. Nothing's it was guaranteed. Not, I mean, look at the Jags a couple years ago. I was, that was exactly the There's example. Always, like, yeah, you can't, they just, were on the verge. On they, the, the Jaguars were on the verge of, beating Brady and the Patriots in New England to go to the Super Bowl. They should have probably won that game and they fell apart down the end. They couldn't finish. And here they are. What is it? Two, three years later. And they've got the the worst record in the league. And yeah, they got the worst. They got to pick first overall and they're starting from square one. Like it can unravel that fast. Now the Browns are in a great position because like their core is, you know, a bunch of young guys, everybody's trending in the right direction. Certainly seems like they've got the coach. Um, and the one thing that's a little different is that Jags team was really built on having like a dominant defense, um, which I think is, is a little trickier in today's NFL to try and continue that. I think that sort of wears out. We sort of saw it with the Rams too, you know, Rams a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. You know, they've been built on like a overpowering dominant defense and those don't hold up as well. Um, it, I think, we feel relatively confident that they have their quarterback. They have a mm-hmm. pretty loaded offensive line. Like those types of things are a little more encouraging than, than the way that the Jags did it. But um, still, yeah, I'm with you. When the opportunities are there, you got to take them. You can't, there is, you can't just bank on next year all the time. Um, right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a bummer. It's a shitty way to go out, but um, yeah, it's, it's, so my it's something my, to look forward to. I'll say that my my knee jerk reaction was I don't want to hear about oh yeah we're we're right there next year because nothing's guaranteed. Uh, after I had a, a few minutes to kind of calm down and and let re you know the situation sink in, and my next thought was dear God we cannot go back I I, I can't go back to four and twelve no. and coaching carousels and quarterback controversies and everything else. Like the Browns have arrived and I, I'm done with the phase of like, I'm obviously done with the phase of them, you know, being what they've been for the majority of the last 20 plus years. I'm also done with the phase of them being like the cute, surprising story. Like I want the Browns to be one of the teams that you're like circling on you know the calendar if if you're an opposing nfl team 
Like I, I yeah. want the Browns. I, I'm tired of having the discussion about this game is the biggest Browns game in the last 25 years. Like no game the Browns play next year before January 15th be bigger than is going to be bigger than what we did this year. Yeah, I agree um, with that. I, and I'm, they're building I'm, a way to do it. I mean, it, it, every year for the last you know 20 years, every team that looks at their schedule and sees the Browns on there has penciled that in as a win for them, right, and a loss for the yeah. Browns. That's not the case next year. No one is taking them for – no one is taking them for granted. In, in fairness, their schedule next year is fucking brutal. Sure. It's it's going to be tough next year, but um, you know they'll have a chance in every game they're in, and they're not going to. Um, you have to think they're going to build on all this stuff. And Stefanski has, I think it's safe to say Stefanski's kind of he's changed. I I hate the term like he's changed the culture, blah 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 blah. But it really feels like he has. Like guys are bought in in a way we haven't seen in a long time, and they it, it'll be nice to see them i'll put it this way look look at how much they were able to do this year without a legitimate offseason yeah so you have to think that they're going to be able to build on that and do even more next year and i know you said we don't want to get too much into the um like big picture long-term stuff but that's kind of all we have left at this point <laughs> i know i know but uh, the one other thing i'm looking forward to next year uh i i'm looking forward to being able to getting back and watching games with 67,000 people in a stadium. I really hope we have more fans in these games. I want to be able to like get together and have a playoff watch party with a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know some people are doing that now and everybody's got their own comfort level with these things. I don't want that to have to be a consideration by this, uh, you know, by the time that the next NFL season rolls around, I, I, I want to be excited. I want to get together with a bunch of people. You know, I want to go tailgate with you at some point, you know, let, let's watch a game together at some point right. instead of just uh, texting for three hours. Yeah. No I, uh, I'm ready for that, man. Yeah. No kidding. And I think I was sitting around today and we had the three Oh five kickoff and, <laughs> For the last, I don't even know how many years, I've always gone to, you know, I go to the Muni lot and the game's going to start at 105 or whatever it is. And I'm always like, oh man, I wish the game started an hour later so yeah. I can keep drinking here for a little bit longer. I think the three o'clock is perfect for the tailgate day. Not great for the day you're just watching at home, sitting around. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think um, it, it sucks a lot that this year, fans weren't really able to enjoy it with the team like they have, you know, like they've had to, they've sat through so many shitty years that this is the year of all years that fans should have been able to be there um, celebrating with the team. But yeah, I'm with you. Hopefully next year we're, we're a little more, a little more normalcy in our lives and um, we're able to go enjoy it and go, yeah, like you said, you and I can meet up at the tailgate, have a few beers, um, go watch a game with a bunch of other people and, um, enjoy ourselves a little more. So this is, it, it's deflating. I think we're, we both agree. It's kind of a shitty, um, shitty way to end uh, the season, but all things considered, um, hopefully next year we're able to, you know, celebrate a little bit more normally than we, than we did this year. Write it down next year, January 23rd, 2022, around 6 15 PM. I want to see the Browns in a victory formation at first energy stadium I know. with 67,895 people Give losing their minds. Give it to me. From with your the Super list Bowl to God's birth ears. eminent. Let's go. Let's go from your list to God's ears. Yeah. I was, I was, 
I was all in today and I, I was starting to think, and I, I don't know if I texted you this week, but it, it dawned on me just sort of randomly, like we need to win two games and then we're in the Super Bowl, which is fucking yeah. insanity. Like that's a crazy thought to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Michelle does not really pay attention too closely to this stuff, but like she knew they were doing pretty well this year. And I told her after the game last week, I said, you understand like the Browns win two games. They're going to the Super Bowl. And it was like, Wait, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. It's just and and it's interesting because your wife and I think you and I probably look at sports much differently. You and I look <laughs> at them much differently than she probably does, right? And our our sure. overall awareness, it's every bit as baffling to me as it was to her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that kind of year. Yeah. But uh, hopefully oh, man. And, uh, yeah, hopefully next year we're able to get the job done. Here's hoping. Well, I'm I'm looking behind you here on Zoom, and I see that Cleveland Browns fridge is empty. So you got uh, what about eight months to uh, to stock up? Let's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let's, put, uh, I'm gonna go grab a bottle of champagne, put it in there, and stock it up till next year. I love it. I love it. All right, are we good? Yeah, man, take it home. I'm good. Um, I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't know. We could probably go longer talking about other stuff, but I think. Uh, let's just keep this one to today's game and call it. No, this was cathartic. This was probably a, a healthy uh, thing for both of us here to get through it and uh, put a cap around the season. So there you go. All right. Now the coffin is available on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and uh, wherever you enjoy uh, downloading podcasts. We're also uh, streaming on waiting for next And of course we are part of, of the evergreen podcast network that is going to do it for us for this week travis yuley tom valentino put the nail in the coffin we'll talk to you guys soon hi this is comedian and writer and let's be honest i do a lot of things this is dean archipotis the host of whiskey business the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.